The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 62 of The Pennsylvania Project. As you may know here at The Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, even if that means taking it to the streets. We have a rowdy episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, Unscripted Cohorts, plus a question about my wife, and something about black reparations. No relation there. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today, we're doing something unique. We have two guests in the studio, both heavily political. They're Andy Starr and Mark Bizzacco, two of the ralliers from last Saturday's Shut Down the Shutdown rally. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it will be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, I'll be ranting about eminent domain. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have Ubed Ula from the Drexel University Toastmasters Club. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Ubed. Thank you, Ken. Happy to be here. Uh, you look happy, too. You're still smiling. Let me ask you a question. What do you like about Toastmasters? Oh, good question. I think it's the community. Uh, I came to uh, Philadelphia from Pakistan, and the first community I found were the people at Toastmasters. Wow, you were lucky, man. We're a good bunch of people. Definitely. Well, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Good to have you here. We also have a second Toastmaster with us, according to another one of our ancient customs, to read and help respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and to join in discussion with our guests. It's a role that we call cohort, and today's cohort is making his third appearance on the Pennsylvania Project. He's a member of the Climb Toastmasters Club and the Trenton State Prison Gavel Club. Glenn Friesman, welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Glenn. Ken, it's a pleasure to be back, especially on this week with uh, knowing what your agenda is. <laughs> Glad to be here. Oh, it should be. Thank you. It's good to hear. You know, this is a unique event, a lot of unique events going on today, because you are the f first cohort to ever call in remotely. So, wow, look at that. Well, Breaking new ground. Yes. We're still limited to four people in the studio, and with two guests and one commercial reader, our guy Ubed and me, that fills up the room. But you couldn't make it here today anyway, so it, it worked out perfectly, dude. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what's new, hot, and exciting up your way? Uh, well, hot, you know, the weather, the, uh, 
Yeah, the rains that came in yesterday were just unbelievable. I know, man. You know, a retro we, storm or whatever. You know, it wasn't bad enough. We've gotten locusts and plagues. Now we got you know, <laughs> the storms coming. That's right. So, and you know, I knows lo- what we'll get next week. <laughs> shh, shh. You know, uh, yeah, right. And uh, we lost a, a decent sized limb on one of our tree, and it came down on my 1972 Plymouth Fury. Uh, was, oh man! Yeah, it's just it's just one fender, but you know. That's now one dent, and it's a good-sized dent, too. That's, a, That's right. It's hard to hear that. Yep. Take it as it comes. Learned in the car. Yep, I should, yep. I should sold the yep. thing. It's only got 49,000 miles on it. It still does wheels. And you know, oh, yeah, I bet. I have a standard joke I use with it. When I drive it around, people yell at me, What year is it? And I yell back, It's 2020! <laughs> uh, enough of my humor. Glenn, you're supposed to have brought a question. It's an old custom where our cohort always brings an impromptu question. We're simulating the Toastmasters table topics. So hit me cold with something, dude. What you got? My question is with the uh, rioting or the, uh, I guess protesting would be a better word to be used today, um, that's going on all over the country. What do you think the reparation should be for all the people (laughs) that have now lost their businesses, for all the people who worked in those businesses, for all the people who supplied those businesses, and have we actually put a price tag on a man's life into the hundreds of millions of dollars? Wow. Well, you know, our question today from one of our regular contributors, Bernie, is about black reparations, and he also touches on that same question. I'm looking ahead of the notes here. Should the government be required to reimburse the black community just as they do for business owners? Well, I, I guess I have a, I've, I guess I can give you Bernie's answer. Same thing I was going to say about Bernie. You know, well, maybe I should save Bernie's answer for Bernie because he's got some logical fallacies in his question as well. So let me just focus on on your part of it there. Right, mine are across all races, all yeah. people, and I'm not generalizing about anything because. Uh, for instance, you know, you know, rocking all through, uh, you know, Kensington and and Philadelphia. I mean, they had every race, color, and creed, and probably all sixty-two genders. That is true. Well, right. So, what we, do we? You know, what are they going to have a bailout for these people? <laughs> well, you know, the Bernie's Bernie's question touches on the same thing, but you managed to avoid his logical fallacy in there because. The first thing is the government should not have shut down anything. I mean, I've been ranting about this now since episode 53 about how Sweden never shut down. And their per capita death rate left them, put them originally as number five out of the nine largest economies in Europe. And I look at it every week and I just looked at it again. And every week they're fifth out of nine, fifth out of nine, fifth out of nine, fifth out of nine, fifth out of nine. That means there's absolutely no reason at all to shut down the government, the economy. Right. Since it wasn't any reason, you know, I've talked about talked about Sweden, like I said, every single episode. But now, if you're saying that should the government now reimburse us for their mistake, I think the best thing they could do is resign en masse for having made such a, a classic blunder. But if we're going to ask them for those reparations, it's like you go to a doctor to get a broken bone set. But that was the doctor who broke the bone in the first place, right? 
and and now he wants to pay you because he broke it? I don't know. It's just, none of it seems to make any sense at all to me. And you got to remember, where's that money coming from? You know, they steal it. That's where. It comes from that legalized theft that they call taxation, which is inherently inefficient, right? Because every time you send a dollar to Washington, two-thirds of it gets sucked up by the, by the bureaucracy. And then when it comes to the states, two-thirds of that gets sucked up in the bureaucracy. And you're lucky if you get a dime on the dollar back from the government for what you send them in tax money. So if you're looking for the federal government to bail you out, the, the inherent inefficiency of that is so incredible that you'd do better off just keeping that money yourself. You know, because you give Uncle Sam a dollar, he gives you back a dime. Man, where can I get in on that racket? Right. right, and I 100% agree with that analogy, and I think my, my question is more on the personality of hundreds of thousands of people being upended again in their lives to no fault of their own. And I'm not asking, to, you know, I, I, I agree, you know, libertarian view 100%, you know, uh, and I back that. I, I'm, I'm dealing with the humanity of this, though. You know, of people just just looting stores and taking what they want, and police watching it happen, and and us paying for all these policemen to stand there and watch it happen. Well, you if know, we're going to let it happen. Why are we Why are we bringing national guard to say, can you please steal orderly? <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. And you know, you should tune in next week because our guest is going to be Captain John Gallagher of the Narberth Police Force. And he's going to be talking. Uh, Andy's shaking his head. Andy knows the guy, and he's going to be talking to us about <laughs> that the whole nonsense going on out there. But you'd be surprised how many policemen agree with you on what you just said, and how many even disagree. But now, so you jumped the gun with Bernie's question. I had to answer part of that. Now you're jumping the episode with our guest for, for next. No, you're, that's why you're here. <laughs> but let, let me just sum it up and say that if you're going to ask the federal government to make some kind of reparation for their classic blunder terrible blunder, then you're actually compounding the problem because they're going to have to borrow 90%. They're going to waste 90%. So the only person who's going to be have any kind of a reparation there are the bureaucrats because they're going to get 90% of your money that they have stolen from us. Answer the question? Uh, so let me just ask you to 1B, and if I'm over time, stop me. Well, we could put Bernie to next week. I already gave him half But question. now that Trump, or now that the president has made this an insurrection, it now further complicates my issue because now no store owner who was already crushed from the COVID fake crap that we just all went through, uh, who already has no money, now has no inventory. Well, there are two things about that. First of all, we are the Pennsylvania Project, and we really don't look beyond the borders except when it directly impacts us. But that's I, and you know, I really haven't followed anything Trump has said. And when you, if you said that he created this insurrection, I, I am not aware of that. Well, no, I mean because that's bothering. I mean that's for the Pennsylvania every Pennsylvania store owner now. Now that he brought in the National Guard and considered that an insurrection, that there's no more. They they're off the hook. It's an act of war. I wasn't aware that the Pennsylvania, the, well, the National Guard's already in Pennsylvania. We have our own National Guard. I'm, no, not, I'm saying when he deployed the National Guard to those certain areas, to the certain states, 
Well, again, and Pennsylvania again. He did it federally, though. Ken, he did it federally. He didn't deploy it, you know, and say that this is only going to be for certain states. Uh-huh. He deployed it under a federal mandate, yes. which takes all those insurance companies and lets them off the hook. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what you want me to say about that. The president has I, the authority not, to do that, unfortunately, but under the emergency right, rule. So again, it's again, it's all these people that I keep looking at the humanity of what's uh, the inhumanity of what's going on in America, and and I don't know how anyone is sleeping at night knowing what's going on and and going along with it. Well, it's, it's amazing. You could always do what several people are doing. Like for example, the lady we had as a guest, Julie Potter. I guess it was episode fifty nine. She runs a salon. She just went and reopened on the first of May, and she got I a call. She got a call from the DA, uh, the, the attorney general of the county, and he said, "Listen, I just let eighteen hundred people out of prison. I'm not going to put you in." So that was what over a month ago, and she's still open and doing people's hair, and neighbors love her for it. And that's right. what, and that's the way out of this, you know. Yeah, there there are people out there who are doing nasty things. There's no question about that. And yes, the police are there to stop them, and I'm happy that the police are there to do that. If the police can't handle it, it's absolutely fine for us to call in Pennsylvania, to call in our own National Guard. We're not going to call in Jersey's. we got our own National Guard. We've actually had a captain of the National Guard on our show. I think it was episode five, four. It was a long, long time ago. And all of that, all that is exactly what we pay these guys to do. You know, people start smashing windows and stealing inventory. This is just what we want them, what the, we want the police to do. Stop the guys. Just what we want the National Guard for. If it's too much for the police, they're the backup forces. Glenn, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is, is your complaint that Trump has said it's okay to do that? Because Trump does not command the Pennsylvania National Guard. The governor does. Oh, yeah, does. no, 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 not at all. No, it's, it's the fact that he called it an insurrection instead of... Uh, you know, looting and protesting. Okay, so it's the word you don't like, the word insurrection. Well, it's the word that, well, the word insurrection is, is the word that, is the word that's in everybody's insurance policy that is said, if <laughs> it is, you're I not see. covered for it. Uh-huh. You're not covered for it. So, you know, I'm, you know, again, follow the money trail. Yep. Yep. As Herb Homer always said, follow the money trail and you can figure out the truth. That is true. Evil Earth would That's have said that. That's my problem with that. Uh-huh. Right. He said, you know, when he called that an act of war, an insurrection, the insurance company said, hallelujah. Interesting. I hadn't, hadn't seen the connection. As a matter of fact, I didn't know what he said. Like I said, I don't, I don't pay attention to Trump. I got too many other things to pay attention to. Wolf, yeah, I know. Big, okay. Governor Big Bad Wolf is, is enough right. huffing right. and puffing <laughs> and blowing our houses down. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way it's going to have to go. Well, Glenn, you, you edged out Bernie. And that's okay because actually Bernie was supposed to be on the air this week, but he had to he had to cancel. But we're going to get him on soon again, and I will okay. an- I will answer his question about my dear wife then because we are we are running over a little overtime. I'm sorry. Thank you for your time. Oh no, thank you. You know this is the kind of stuff that I that makes for good radio. You may have stepped out of Pennsylvania, but it direct, yeah, it directly affects Pennsylvania. I can talk. Okay. And on that geographical note, that's going to have to do it for the U portion of episode sixty two. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be meeting with today's guests, fellow shutdown the shutdown ralliers, Andy Starr and Mark Bizzacco. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state, more than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. 
Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? They're not. They're all direct quotes from the Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everybody's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But, mo but most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like all the Pennsylvanians, the answer are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we changed these answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have the crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions, so we authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it is important for our children to know how the state government works, head over to our website pennsylvaniaproject.com and add your name to our growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send you a copy We'll send a copy of uh, the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the Them portion of Episode 62 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environment, environmental issues I can't talk today facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is not a guest. It's two guests, actually, both solidly political. They're Andy Starr and Mark Bizzacco, fellow rallyers from our Shut Down the Shutdown rallies held last Saturday. They're here to tell us all about what happened that day, from the cruelty of the counter-protesters to the waste of time in talking to our state reps, at least those state reps had courage enough to face us. Now, Mark Bazzacco, we already know. He's executive producer of the Pennsylvania Project, a union steam fitter, an atrocious speller, and a weather god who was responsible for the fine, fine weather we had on Saturday. Andy Starr, on the other hand, is nobody. To quote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he's just this guy, you know? He calls himself a liberty-loving person from Horsham, but I call him an instigator. That's because I put the blame for instigating Saturday's rally squarely on Andy's shoulders. Thank you, Andy, and welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ken. <laughs> and I'm not going to say welcome to Mark because he's always here anyway. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, you're welcome this time. 
Man, oh man, I, I'm gonna have to explain that, that intro because in 2009, we did a multi-rally in Abington Township and it was, it was over eminent domain. They stole some little old lady's property and we had put together the same kind of rally that we did last Saturday. Last Saturday's shutdown, the shutdown rally, we visited the homes of nine state reps to find out what's going on, to let them know what we were thinking and to find out what they were gonna do. Well, we did the same thing in Abington back in 2009. We visited the homes of nine, nine, yes, nine township commissioners. Andy was there way back then. Now, I hadn't heard from Andy for, what's that, 11 years? And all of a sudden, he calls me out of the blue and says, I'm not sure you remember me, but I was at that Abington Township eminent domain rally. And I want to know, were you thinking of doing something like that again? Am I getting that wrong, Andy? No, it's right on, right on cue, Ken. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know it's hard to, it's hard to catch me. It's hard to catch me speechless. But I'm telling you, two seconds went by. I was just like, huh, huh. Why don't we do that? And that's when Mark jumped in, because what Mark wound up doing is he said, "I'll put together a list of state reps," <laughs> and we got nine of them, and the the rest is history. So last Saturday, that's what we did. We got together a bunch of people and we, we sent out press releases to what, over 400 outlets we sent it to. And we all got together starting at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., every hour on the hour, we visited a different state representative. And I talked about it in the last two episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, episode 60 and 61. And if you go to pennsylvaniaproject.com slash rally, you will see the map of who we went to visit. Man, oh man, I could I could talk a lot about this. You know, I was actually thinking of dropping my rant today because there's just so much we could talk about this. Because one of the first things I did after Mark gave me this list of state reps is we looked to see where are their houses. And they're all over the place. They're in Abington, they're in Horsham, they're in Upper Gwynedd, they're I don't even have the oh yeah, I don't even have the whole list in front of me. Now that only tells me the intersections. Yeah. You know, it says Whitmer and Old Whitmer, but it does not say that that was in I'm not even sure what town that's in. Horsham, there you go. So that's another one. I should have had that list here. <coughs> Excuse me. But we got together and we went and did it. As soon as I had that list, first thing I did was call the police. And we don't want to surprise anybody. So I called the police, and I always do the same thing with these rallies. Here's something you can put in your back pocket if you're ever thinking of doing a rally. I just called the police and I said, Hi, my name is Ken. This is a courtesy call. I want to let you know we're going to be holding a peaceful rally on the corner of Lismore and Waverly at 10 a.m. on Saturday, May 20th, May 30th. My phone number is yada, yada, yada. Any questions? And it stopped. And what would happen is it'd be a dispatcher. They'd say, uh, one moment, please. And then somebody go, Sergeant so-and-so. Hi, my name is Ken. This is a courtesy call. Just one on and on. He says, uh, hang on a minute. Hello, Lieutenant such-and-such. Hi. My name is Ken. This is a courtesy call. Eventually, it reaches somebody who gives me the answer that you should always hear. Yeah, sure. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for letting us know. You know, we'll have a car out there to meet you. Because this is still America. You still have the right to protest. You still have the right to stand up in public and rally and have your voice heard. I talked to 10 different police departments in advance of, the, of our shutdown, the shutdown rally. All 10 of them gave me the same answer. Yeah, sure, no problem, Ken. 
and I could talk about what each individual one does, but we're going to go stop by stop on what these guys, what these guys, uh, or what we what went on at each one of our stops along the rally. But there, there's one funny thing that happened with the cops. First one I called. Hi, this is Ken. This is a courtesy call. Hello. They hung up on me. I'm like, what the heck? I called him back. I said, Yo, yo, you just hung up on me. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were recording. <laughs> Dangers of being a Toastmaster. The first two of them did that. And on the third one, I said, hello, this is not a recording. My name is Ken. <laughs> this is a courtesy call, one after the other. So that's how it went out. We sent out a, the press release, and it had the map, which, by the way, received 3,600 hits on it. A lot of people looked at it. Andy sent something out to Patch, which had 21,000 hits on it. The Montgomery County Libertarians, who were the host of our big rally, they had almost 2,000 hits on theirs. And there were some other numbers that came in. Mark, do you have any other numbers on that? Um, yeah, the Montgomery County website had 2,600 new uh, visitors to the site. 2,600 unique visitors. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I saw that one, too. Uh, cool thing about that is uh, a lot of them came from Patch. Tells you where they come from. There you go. Patch patch works. I don't read Patch. I always found it to be too low of a quality. That's right. Andy's got his stuff on there. We had a few people show up that when we asked how they heard about us, they were like, oh, I read about it on Patch. There you go. Yeah, the local rag's pretty hot in our area, Uh huh. even, so, even if most of it's uh, old news. but So there's another piece of advice for those of you looking to do your own rally. Patch seems to work. And, you know, I'd, we had MailChimp send out the press releases, and about half of them were opened, which I'm told is a very, very, very high rate of opening. Because when I was running for governor, what, what was the rate we had? Oh, on press releases? Yeah. 20%, sometimes 20, less, yeah. to the same press list. Yeah. So, there you go, man. But that's because it had the word libertarian written in it, in the title. Did this one, I, I don't recall if this one did or didn't. I don't know. I don't have a copy in front of me. I should. I'm just a terrible, terrible radio personality. I should have all these things handy. I don't know what towns these things were in. I don't... Uh, actually, I do. I have it written down someplace else. I'll take it out during the commercial. Well, we should go down the list. We started at 9 a.m. I was the first one there, and it was uh, State Rep. Christopher Rabb, and we met at the Mount Airy Septa Station. Now, this guy called me before the rally, and I mentioned this last week, and he was all over me. He was yelling at me and stuff. Not exactly what you expect from an elected official. But in the end, he says, the only reason you're coming over my place is because I'm black. It's like, what? What? Where did that come from? And he told me twice. And the second time he said it, I said, why are you playing the race card? And he hung up on me. Mm. And he didn't come to our rally. Now, when I got there, I was the first one there, and there were about 40, 50 people there already. I thought, wow, look at all these people, until I saw their signs. <laughs> like, go home. Ayn Rand was a you-know-what. We support Rab. Stand in mind, Rab. Social distance yourself. They were counter-protesters. So Representative Rab certainly did his job. I wonder if he used patch. Well, I don't know if those people would just recycle signs for every counter-protest or if they knew what they were there to counter-protest because a lot of signs didn't make sense at all. That's true. Well, Like, go home GOP. There was a lot of GOP signs. 
yeah, I, I think I think there was just a mailing list come out and support me. We have this big counter protest that's needed, and that seems to be the mantra with uh, the, some of the Democratic Party today. And he um, is a Democrat. That's yeah. right. But I, I, I was stunned as you were when I rolled up and saw these. <laughs> what eventually became counter protesters i was like what happened here and they were angry ken they were very angry very very angry it was misinformed too. That, that, that's true we'll get to that i want to talk about that priestess that you were talking about we'll get to her in a minute because i want to do this more chronologically so we got there and of course our people started showing up and it's just like whoa this is this is pretty heavy so what i did is i instructed all of our people in the same approach if somebody starts yelling at you you, you don't yell back. Matter of fact, you don't talk to them at all. You don't say anything to that person. What you do is you answer their question, but talk to the people around them. Because those people around them, they're listening to you. The guy who's yelling at you is not listening to you. He's a hard case. Just don't pay any attention to him. So there's another tip for your next rally. And it was funny because one of our members was way out in the crowd there, live streaming things. And she came back and she said that a lot of people thought that we were we were very, very polite with these people, and it was it was unusual. So the way it started, they're all saying go away and everything, and and I'm thinking, dude, we got 40, 50 people here who can hear our message. So Andy comes up next to me, he says, let me hold your megaphone, and I started. And man, oh man, the first thing they said was boo, boo, they're yelling, go away, go home. Stop breathing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Somebody came up with a disinfectant in a, like a Windex bottle or something. They're like, I'm going to shoot you. I put my hands in the air. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. I got allergies. She says, you're allergic to alcohol and water. I, I think the other uh, uh, mantra was you're being selfish. Oh, uh, yes. Very Pro selfish. Property over persons or yes, something like right, that. right, right. Mm -hmm. When they've already as Glenn pointed out earlier how they've destroyed the economy. They've already put property over persons. Mm. Yeah, it's a, what a mess. But we did it. I went through my whole thing. I made my th three key points. Sweden, which I guess everybody wants to be tired about hearing now about Sweden didn't lock down and they didn't suffer the consequences for it. About how the death rates are all fake numbers because we don't know how many people have the virus. So we can't say what percentage of them have died from it. And the third thing is how it destroys democracy because now third party and independent candidates cannot get on the ballot. And we did Q&A afterward. It was real funny. The guy, first guy who answered the question, I answered the question. I had the right answer. I said, is that, does that answer your question? He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> what else do you remember from the first stop? Being anxious, of course. You know, these were some really angry people. Oh, I, I can't yeah. convey the anger and the screaming and the yelling and the people coming up to us face to face to really tell us to go home, get out of their neighborhoods. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, the whole entire time, all I could think about was, you know, how these poor people were not getting the information they needed to make a critical decision on what was going on. And somehow they were wrapped up in this fear. They're getting it from Representative Rab. Right, exactly. I support Rab. And, well, Rab is not giving you the information you need right. to make a critical decision on but this. But we did. And you know the cool part is we had one of our ralliers, he was 16 years old, Afterwards, he told me, he says, I was terrified. He says, my knees were shaking while I'm standing there holding my sign. Well, he certainly got an excellent lesson in the American political scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ken, I think I had a similar, similar reaction to you where I wasn't anxious, but I was excited that we got to have a yeah. conversation with these people. And a lot of people listened. That's true. And, you know, we're going to have to come back to your priestess because 
I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 62 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back with this information, and then we'll have more from our Shutdown the Shutdown Ralliers, Andy Starr and Mark Bizzacco. Cast Your Cares is a family-run nonprofit in Kensington, serving thousands of meals to homeless and needy every Saturday. The community has come to appreciate and rely on the efforts of this great organization. Although Cast Your Cares is supported by many churches and organizations throughout the Philadelphia area, more help is needed. In these times of challenge and uncertainty, please consider helping, offering a helping hand. More information is available on their website at castyourcares.org. That's castyourcares.org. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I got my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name, Ken Krawchuk from the Pennsylvania Project. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Steve Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Steven has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate generate an extra of 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Steven will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stevenworley.com. That's Steven with a V, -V W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Governor Tom Wolf has been picking up winners and losers by losers by allowing corporations like Walmart to stay open, yet forcing small businesses to close. Now he's doing the same with politics. Wolf's Republican and Democrat buddies will appear on the ballot this November, but by executive order he has excluded independent and third parties. The Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania does not think this is right. That's why we're suing the Governor Wolf in federal court. Please help us in our legal battle against those who would limit your choice in the voting booth. Visit our website lppa.org and click donate. The Libertarian Party, the only party that stands up for all your freedoms all of the time. lppa.org Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we are back with episode 62 of the Pennsylvania Project and our Shutdown the Shutdown ralliers, Andy Starr and Mark Bizzacco. Andy being the instigator for the entire day. Now, before the break, we were still on the first stop because I was probably the most unusual one because of the counter-protesters there. And, you know, it's funny. One of the, one of the ralliers there, Henry Whitney, he sent in a, a statement. He said here, I especially like the wise strategies that you had for dealing with our op- opponents. This enabled us to touch both bases of the p- biblical conundrum do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will become like him. And 
Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I mean, I tell you, Henry knows his stuff. So what, speaking of the Bible, Mark, what about this, this priestess that you were speaking with? All right, well, I'm going to summarize it real quick because I want to move on to the other stops, too. Okay. So, but, yeah, so you were sitting there talking, and I'm walking around engaging with people in the crowd and stuff, having good conversations. And I hear there's – I don't know if she was a priest, but there was three people, two women and a, and a male dressed as priests, and they're chanting – what are they chanting? Um, anti-black, anti-gay, anti-women, libertarians go away or something like that. <laughs> And I'm like, what? We are the opposite. I'm right? like, that makes absolutely no sense. I have to say something to this lady. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, you could be upset about what we're protesting, but, you know, like, you're just talking nonsense. <laughs> and she's like, no, this protest is completely anti-black. It's anti... And she's... I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, all the black store owners or all the, all the black small business owners that are losing their business. I said, who's mm-hmm. standing up for them? Mm-hmm. The gays are losing their businesses. Who's standing up for them? And the women... You know, I have a friend, a knitting store. She opened it probably a year, maybe nine months before this whole shutdown thing. Mm -hmm. She's gone. You know, her store's done. It's never going to open again. (laughs) Some people just don't want to listen. So I'm like, well, she listened. I explained it to her, and she immediately changed the subject to... (laughs) GOP go away. (laughs) No, I don't know. And I got to give a shout out to the Philadelphia police. They were there, and there must have been, what, eight or nine cops? They never even tried to set a foot off the yep, curb. Yep, I love the Philly cops. Cops are your friend. They're there to help out, especially since we're a peaceful rally. So that was stop number one. After that, we headed out to Sheltonham to State Rep. Steve McCarter, and we were on Waverly Road. And it was funny because the Sheltonham cops were the only ones who stepped outside the line. Not at the rally. They were smiling, hello, glad you're here, and they they, just, they stayed out of our way. But before the rally, they gave me a call out of the blue. Hi, I'm Sergeant so-and-so, and, uh, you know, usually we issue permits for this kind of stuff. And I said, well, do what you like. I don't care. We're going to be there anyway. You know, if you think you want to issue a permit, go ahead, write one. doesn't matter to me. And he's, well, you know, usually we do, and we wound up talking about something else and everything, and he never called back. And Actually, he did call back. We talked once more, but he never mentioned permits again. But the state rep wasn't there. But the windows upstairs were open. You know he was there. So we used our megaphone, the same megaphone, by the way, that we used in the Abington rally 11 years earlier. So we gave him our three lines. Sweden never shut down. We gave him the second line saying there's fake news, any kind of a death rate. And the third one is you're killing democracy. And we moved on. Anything else you guys want to add about the Sheltonham stop? Go for it, Andy. You know, uh, not, not really. Um, you know, it's a shame that, you know, we weren't engaged in any way. Uh, certainly, I know when I showed up at the second stop, I was anxious about being followed about the protesters. And that, that weighed heavy on my mind, admittedly. Uh, but I was actually, uh, even though I was anxious about it, I was looking forward to it because, you know, it was a chance to go ahead and continue the narrative uh-huh. and discussion, you know, so. But there was nobody there. But there's nobody there. So, you Come know. On. Th- that's not completely true, Ken, because, you know, Andy made up a lot of nice signs. And we had Ayante out there drawing up signs. And uh-huh. we had a lot of neighbors walk by and drive by. And beep, 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 beep. Yep. Yep. A lot of horn honking. A couple we of open PA. Ones. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that, people that saw rocked. us out there and appreciated our support. Uh-huh. And it was the same thing at the next one. 11 a.m., we stopped to see Representative Ben Sanchez in Abington Township. And 
he wasn't there, or at least he was there with the windows open inside the house. But he had a sign up on his front walk, and it said, number of COVID deaths in Pennsylvania, number of COVID deaths in Montgomery County, number in Abington Township. And he's got all those fake numbers that we were there to tell him are fake. Totally fake. Totally fake. The only number that matters is the per capita deaths. How many people died of the virus for a given chunk of population? That's the only way that you can c compare things, the only way you can tell what's going on. My degree is in physics, I know how to measure things. But that was pretty uneventful, although we were on the corner of Meeting House and Jenkintown Road. That wasn't that uneventful either because there were a bunch of neighbors outside the houses and oh, they yeah. looked at us like we were crazy when we walked up. But as we left, they were all cheering for us and stuff. So that, you it, know. If that happened time and time again. Yeah. The neighbors started cheering for us. Next one, Representative Thomas Mert. And that's out in your neighborhood, right? That's yeah, Horsham? It was. Maybe if I could back up the last stop real quick. Oh, sure. I, actually, I do think they were inside filming us. And um, what wound <laughs> up happening is, is you were gracious enough to give me the megaphone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I started going off on some of these numbers he had up there. And, uh, gosh, I came unwound. Um, so, yeah, that was a great stop for me because <laughs> I had been, this had been pent up for quite some time. So this was a great chance for me to really right. let it all hang out for and, a little bit. And Ubed, I gave him a Toastmasters evaluation afterward. <laughs> he did really good, uh, but he needs a little more structure. That was the, the one thing he could have <laughs> right. done better on. All right, we got to move through this. Yes. 12 noon, Thomas Mert, and he was in Horsham. Right. Uh, just just out of, I just, think he was, uh, yeah, right. uh, more to Hepburn area, yeah. He, he's the first one who actually came out to meet us, and he's got a one of these pop-up canopies on his front lawn. Oh, he sees... Know, that, I think that was... Uh, I think that, that was, was Todd uh, Stevens. Todd Stevens. Oh, Todd yeah. Stevens. My apologies. So, so Mert met us outside with his truck and offered his water and spent the whole entire time uh, talking to us. He had a pop-up there, too, yeah. He offered us ice water and everything. Yeah. Friendly guy. Shook everybody's hand. No he mask. wasted our time. He <laughs> said, oh, yeah, I served in Iraq, and I did this. No, no. And I, after about two minutes, I interrupted him. I said, listen, dude, we're here to talk about reopening Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know what you mean. And you He's know a what I was, I know. I was a waste of time. And you know what I did? I walked away. I just said, the heck with it. This is a waste of time. All by myself, I just turned to I said, this is a waste of time. Thank you for coming out. And I walked away. Yes, us, us rookies decided to try and have a normal conversation with him. Good so, luck. Yeah, I know. We should have learned. Good luck. <laughs> Next up. Now, this is the one that Mark was talking about. One o'clock. Representative Todd Stevens. What a rude man. I can't believe it. So I found the stop at Todd Stevens pretty interesting. He's actually my state rep. And of all the stops where, you know, there was a police officer at every stop, there was no police officer at the stop. No one to greet us there, no one to say, okay, what's going on, but rather a tent full of what he called his family for a family gathering, but really they came off as a bunch of big goons, like ready to fight. I don't uh -huh. know. It was really like weird because, you know, don't worry about the cops coming, but we're going to have our own guys to take care of this. And, and I engaged Todd because he and I do uh, talk quite a bit on the telephone and uh, he was really quite angry because he said, I take all your calls. Well, you can take all the calls you want, but if you don't do anything, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean anything at all. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. And so, yes, yeah, so you're right. He, he turned around and walked away. He was pretty he was pretty fit to be tied. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was it was it was an interesting visit. Yep. And I have to add that uh, the Abington police at Ben Sanchez, they were nice and friendly. Yep. And they're the ones who helped us park and everything. They were beeping, beeping their horns for us. Yeah, that's right. Even the cops, Abby, the cops were beeping for us. Uh, when we went to see Thomas Mert, there were a couple parked on the street, but they never talked to us. They were just like right. off in the distance. 
We got the same thing with Representative Stevens, the guy who was so rude to us. He's like, I don't want to talk to you. And it was funny because he said, I'm here with my friends. And he's got this pop-up, and it's at the end of his driveway on the street. Almost, yep. And he's got a nice house in the suburbs. If he's having a party with his friends, why would he put it at the front end of his driveway right on the street? What I want to know is why no one was wearing a mask, why no one was social distancing, and and why are the laws for us not applicable to our state representative and his buddies? We already knew that. The other interesting thing was when we walked away, we got about a block away, a block and a half away. And all of a sudden, everybody who was at the party <laughs> they is, is driving past they us. They left. The party was over as soon it was as we fake. left. fake. Fake party. Hired goons by the oh, hour. Man. I get it. Right. And that was Todd Stevens. Next up, 2 p.m., we're at <clears throat> Representative Stephen Malagari, right near Hancock Street Park in Lansdale, or just outside of Lansdale, I guess. And we also had there the Libertarian State Rep candidate for the guy's seat, John Waldenberger. And guy wasn't there. I didn't see any windows open. The neighbors actually said, he's not there. Like, we don't care. <laughs> we're here anyway, because they were always inside. And, and John gave him a good, good five or ten minute speech. And it's the same thing. There was, there was a cop up the street, and that was very uneventful, very quiet. Yeah, it looked, it looked really empty to me. And I have to tell you, it's another do as I say, don't, uh, don't do as I do. Uh, you know, he's out running around, I'm sure, you know, doing his own thing. Uh, obviously, the law, if you will, doesn't apply to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I behind that. Yep. Guys. Yeah. Next up, 3 p.m., we stopped to see State Rep. Matthew Bradford. And, man, you should see the guy's neighborhood. He is not paying for a house like that on a State Rep. salary. And it, I don't know. I felt kind of insulted. There was nobody there. Not a single cop. Nobody, nobody at all. Ah, uh, there was somebody there, Ken. On a motorcycle, oh, right? Oh, a guy on a motorcycle came, came went away, but... Uh, no, he pulled up as we pulled up, followed us up, turned around, watched us do our thing, and then when we left, he followed us back yeah, on his motorcycle. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Either. I don't think he was... A, he certainly was not a police presence. He was not there in uniform. He didn't have the company car distinctively marked, as Philadelphia police used to call themselves. So it was kind of... Uh, Kind of anticlimactic. It was weird. The whole block was empty, and this guy with the motorcycle, and that's it. Sure nope. was, yeah. There were a couple uh, pubescent girls there, you know, 12, 13 years old. They didn't care either. 4 p.m., state rep Tim Briggs at Crow and Keebler. He was... Grumpy. Yeah, he was grumpy. He came out of the house when we got there, and I was like, oh, good, I have to use the megaphone. He's like, I'm not talking to you guys. And he went in the house and closed the door. It's like, okay, pull out the megaphone and start talking. And he came out, and he actually talked to us for a little bit, but he's just like, no, no, I don't think so. And he really said nothing of of value, and he just turned around and walked away. It was more of a chastise us for not social distancing and to be safe, and he had been exposed, I guess, somewhere in the legislator. Yeah, one of the um, GOP guys had yeah, it, and so, didn't tell anybody. Yeah, so all he wanted to do was just kind of uh, tell us what to do and then left. But, you know, give him, give him a point, brownie point for having come out before turning his back on us and then oh and there was a just a minimal police presence maybe two or three cars and there's one guy standing up top of the hill with his hands on his hips like i'm a cop you know well he had a nice we had a nice conversation walking up the hill oh and, yeah you, uh, you stopped to talk to one of the sure, cops absolutely yeah and he's like oh man he says you guys have got to see this through he says we're done we're, we're tired of it so he was there uh, just to uh, see what was happening yeah he was very interested all right last up 5 p.m State Rep. Mary Jo Daly on Montgomery Avenue in Narberth. She came out. She came out with her significant other, 
And I, by the way, I forgot to mention, we had people coming and, jo- coming and going all day long, people we've never met before, and hopefully we're going to meet again. We're bringing them to the Montgomery County Libertarian meetings. But uh, we had one show up there, and her husband was against us, and she was in favor of us. So when we got there, he's standing alongside of Mary Jo and her husband, or whatever he is, and <laughs> she's standing alongside of us. And it was, it was sad. Mary Jo Daly, she says, I'm not a doctor. I don't know your math. I don't know what Sweden's doing. And I don't know anything about democracy. So I, I, just, I just vote what I'm told. I just vote with everybody. And it's like, oh, man, this is so bad. And, and it really is because it, you figure the most important situation and probably most of our lifetimes with the shutting down of everything that they would research this thing until they're blue in the face. They would have all the facts from all opposing point of views in order to make a critical, decisive decision. And she plainly admitted that she had no idea what was going on. She just no followed idea. a narrative that was fed, spoon-fed to her. It was just, it's just terrible. Yeah. Yep. And there were some tempers back there. I mean, her significant other was pretty loud, and also the the husband of the lady who was rallying with us. He was pretty loud. We had more information than the state rep and the husband did uh, combined. I know. Frankly. There were a couple of really impressive things there, though. Um, right. I would. I was going to say. I know you'll get into the the way we were treated by the police officers. Absolutely, they were, man. They were incredible. I absolutely loved the Narberth but police. But the walk down Montgomery Avenue to get to the house was great. We went about three blocks, and I think every other house there were neighbors on the front lawn lawns with signs in support of us, cars honking like crazy. I mean, I felt like we were in a parade because mm-hmm. we had to go single file down the road. So yep. And I can't say enough good things about the Narberth police. The the chief was there. John Gallagher was there to meet us. He's going to be our guest next week. We're going to talk about all this. He had parking for us set aside. He had contacted SEPTA in case we were so large so he could reroute the buses. He was ready to shut down Montgomery Avenue, a four-lane, 40-mile-an-hour road, ready to shut it down for us in case the safety issues came up. He had, what, three, four officers out there along with him? I mean, we felt like VIPs the way they treated us. And even when tempers flew a little bit in our conversations, they never, they were on their bikes, they never even acted like they were going to approach the situation. They just sat back and watched. Same, mm-hmm. same way it was in Philadelphia. And we're going to talk about that next episode, in episode 63. So I'm going to save that. And you know, we are, we are over time on this. Is there anything else you guys want to add about the rallies? Because I'm going to get to my rant. I'm already, I'm going to, have to cut out I, I like i like interrupting your rant so i just real quick want to say <laughs> i mean it was impressive how many different people showed up from all different political backgrounds that's to support true. this that's true um you know it shows that everybody in this state is really affected and felt like standing up right i i, I especially felt <clears throat> empowered because i was taking this fight to the front doors of the state representatives that have brought this fight to my front door and it affected me in such a personal way. So it was great to, to feel like I was able to do something in, in, in a way to try and sway their decision. Um, so, uh, so thank you for that opportunity. Oh, great, and thank you for the reason to put it together. I guess the only thing that I came away disappointed was the reaction of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. We had, I guess, only two or three representatives. Jerry came down from Berks County. Joshua came down from Lehigh County. And I think that was it. Yeah, and then the Monco guys. That was all Montgomery County. Very, very disappointing. But they didn't even talk about it, you know. 
and I, I could talk about that more because I, uh, never mind, we'll, we'll leave that off. That is going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show today. My thanks again to my guests today, Shut Down the Shutdown Rallyers, Andy Starr and Mark Bazzacco. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, eminent domain. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Ubit, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Hi, what's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The Infernal Revenue Service? Yep. Call them for what they are. They sent me these two brutes to the house, scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. Lots of it. Remember the part-time gig I got, gig I got uh, last summer? Oh yeah. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah. All those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough taxes. So they want it all now. Right now. Plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16. The invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all my taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they got passed along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. Have you heard about the big news? The Pennsylvania project is expanding dramatically. Each episode is now being broadcasted multiple times a week on WWDB radio talk show in Philadelphia. And the show has recently gone syndication across Pennsylvania. Our success can be your success as well. A limited number of opportunities have recently come available where you can advertise affordably on the Pennsylvania project. Not only will your message be heard throughout Pennsylvania's largest market by far, all past episodes are always available for downloading at PennsylvaniaProject.com, at the WWDB's website, on iTunes, and from many other popular podcast providers. So here's your chance to become a permanent part of the first liberty-oriented radio talk show on WWDB since the legendary Ivor Homer hung up his headphones. Interested? Drop us a line at the PennsylvaniaProject.com today. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 62 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. A little bit truncated because we went over time with other things, that's all right. But, but today's topic is something I've really been meaning to get around to for a very long time, and it has to be this week, for reasons that will become clear. Topic is eminent domain, or as I like to call it, theft. <laughs> I always like to start these rants with some background, just in case some of our listeners aren't familiar with the topic. So what is eminent domain, besides theft, that is? It's the power of a government to take private property for public use, except when it isn't for public use, and we'll talk more about that later. It's authorized, unfortunately, in Article 1, Section 10 of the Pennsylvania Constitution, which says, quote, nor shall private property be taken or applied to public use without authority of law and without just compensation being first made or secured, unquote. Eminent domain is traditionally used to claim property for roads, public utilities, government buildings, stuff like that. 
But more recently, they've been using it for a whole variety of things, such as giving stolen land to private developers who can legally do whatever they want with it, include selling it for non-public use. Developers like to call that those places blighted, then develop their land for their own profit. Governments like them to do that too, because it helps prop up tax revenues, or as I like to call it, propping up theft. Stories about domain, eminent domain abound, the abuse of it all. So I thought it apropos to talk about it today, especially in light of today's guests, the ones from last Saturday's Shut Down the Shutdown rally, because that rally had its roots in an eminent domain rally. Way, way back in 2009, Abington Township used eminent domain to steal a little lady's property. They wanted to build a library annex there, even though the main township library was less than a mile away, and a similar size building was already for sale across the street. Nine to six, the Abington commissioners voted to steal the old lady's property, and we Montgomery County Libertarians would have none of it. We organized that first multi-rally, visited the homes of all nine commissioners who voted in favor of the theft. That day was a huge success. 75 people showed up. As I mentioned, we even used the same bullhorn as last Saturday's rally. There's a lot more examples than that. Closer to home, Coatesville tried to take Dick and Nancy's farm. Dick and Nancy Saha. They wanted to build a golf course, of all things. Now, isn't that important? Well, they got to steal that land. Saha's fought back. And you know what? I'm going to have to save their story for next week. It's just a shame. Matter of fact, I'm going to save that whole rant for next week because I had to skip like 90% of it. So on that sad note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 62 of the Pennsylvania Project. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m., Mondays at 4 p.m. and other times. Our webmaster, Stephen Worley, marketing guru, Connor Jagotis, featured Toastmaster narrator, Uberula, featured Toastmaster cohort, Glenn Friesman, official bartender, Brooke Smith, keyboard wizard, Joe the Pag, radio producer, The Returned, Brett Kronberger, welcome back, executive producer and rallier, Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, make sure you have enough time to say what you're going to say, because that would be the correct solution to the problem. Thanks.